Truth Espresso, episode 91. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hey there, friends. Welcome back to Truth Espresso. This is Daniel Minnick, your host, and this is part two of a discussion that I'm having with my wife, Chelsea, talking about the Equality Act. And so if you haven't listened to episode 90, the last episode, where we introduced the Equality Act and discussed some of the texts in the Equality Act, we talked about how the Equality Act was an update to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And the purpose of that is to add things to the list of things for which commerce is not to discriminate. So logically, we think no one should discriminate based on ethnicity or sex, male or female, or religious beliefs, things like that. Based on, basically, if you're trying to purchase something or get a job and, and the item you're trying to buy or the job you're trying to get has nothing really to do, will have no effect from one of those types of things, then really sh someone shouldn't be discriminating. Now, of course, uh, the law can be debated. Even the original 1964 Civil Rights Act is whether it's technically necessary or not and uh, things like that. But as we're looking at the Equality Act and we see that it's an update to redefine the word sex there, to add a parenthesis, and inside the parentheses is the idea that gender identity, sexual orientation, and characteristics whereby someone can act differently from the gender that they're assigned at birth, you know, their biology, that no one should discriminate against people based on that and the ideas that if someone claims uh, to be a woman, even though he's a biological male, and someone who's a biological woman claims to be male, that there could be legal repercussions if someone doesn't honor that. But does this idea of not discriminating in particular have some detrimental effects when it comes to things like restrooms, locker rooms, uh, private places, where obviously we know that, of course, there can be predators from either gender, but most of the time it's going to be from the bigger, stronger male against the female or children. And there's also repercussions when it comes to competitive things like sports. Can a biological male claim to be a woman and then play with other women in certain sports and that would give this transgender woman, as he's supposed to be called, an advantage, a physical advantage in being able to compete with biological women? And continuing this discussion is why my wife, Chelsea, and we're going to get into this. So, 
sweetheart, you mentioned a lot of biological differences. And do you think some of those biological differences show up in things like, say, sports? Because women have made a lot of strides over the years in being able to get to play professional sports and sports at schools like high school you know now there's things like women's track team and women's volleyball and women's basketball and stuff like that so i don't see anything wrong with that as long as it's a women's sport and so women compete with women girls compete with girls and but what happens when you introduce someone who is biologically male but then according to gender identity in the equality act wants to identify as a woman and join up with the women's uh, running sports or other kinds of sports like that i mean what happens to the women in those sports as a result Yes. So I know you've looked at some different articles about how this has been an issue in different sports teams because of males identifying as women and competing and actually winning. And it's definitely a discredit to women and women's sports because there is physically, biologically a huge difference between males and females and just trying to act more like a woman or just even doing some of the hormone changes is not going to change all those parts of the male body versus the female body in the sports. Uh, For example, men typically have more bone and muscle mass and less percent of body fat. Men have larger lungs, they have larger airways, and a greater lung diffusion capacity. So that um, helps them be able to transfer oxygen and carbon dioxide from their lungs to their blood quickly. So men are really good with sports in general because they are more built for that with their bone structure, their muscles, and with their lung expansion and the ability to go a longer time with their endurance and such. Women are built, I mean, they can do sports, of course, Mm -hmm. but they are more built for reproductive purposes. So the shape of our pelvis is different. We have smaller lungs to accommodate a growing uterus during pregnancy. And the way our hips are built to accommodate the growing uterus and our shoulders are different. (laughs) So there's a lot that goes into just our physical makeup that we cannot change in order to try and be on equal playing terms if we're integrating into sports like that. Yes, good points there, babe. Uh, the the physical distinctions, you know, on average definitely show up, especially in the realm, the highly competitive realm of sports. So I have a, an example of an article here. So it's in response to uh, Senator Majorie Taylor Greene. She had concerns about women being unable to compete in women's sports with biological men. And so an article by a certain Jonathan Capehart called A Transphobic Tirade Against the Equality Act Masquerading as Feminism. This showed up in the Washington Post February 27th. So responding to Senator Green's concerns and complaints about how the Equality Act harms women's ability to compete in sports with 
biological men, Capehart said, quote, The offensiveness of this is off the charts. Transgender women are women. Transgender men are men. Period. Unquote. And so he thinks that these girls and on the high school track meet trying to compete with running and getting beaten by biological males uh, identifying as women, that they should just lump it <laughs> because those are legitimately women. If they identify as women, then they're women and they should just accept the fact. But it's very interesting that so-called transgender women are making an awful lot of wins. They're sweeping the trophies up away from girls who are trying very hard. They're doing the best they can. But, you know, the fastest girl run, high school girl runner on record, you know, there's about 300 high school boys that could beat that record and so it, it does seem a little unfair there but jonathan capehart thinks that they should just lump it because they should just welcome these as fellow women but i would like to say that since jonathan there is not a biological female what gives him the right to dismiss the concerns of biological females what does he know <laughs> isn't that the point of women's rights men can't relate so uh Jonathan Capehart in the article continues to uh, express his grievances with uh, Senator Majori's concerns about the Equality Act, and he says, quote, The Equality Act was made to protect me and other LGBTQ Americans from people like Green, people who are always trying to reduce our lives to bedrooms, bathrooms, or locker rooms, rather than deal with the complex lives of real people who must endure their hatred, unquote. So then my question to Jonathan then is how does he propose we protect women from abuse? We're talking about biological women who identify as women and protect them from abuse in bedrooms, bathrooms, or locker rooms from assault by biological males. So let's get into that. Babe, you know, we mentioned that there is the problem of opening the door, no pun intended here, to uh, introducing biological men identifying as women into these safe spaces, these private places for women. Isn't that a safety concern? Doesn't that really violate some of the progress women made to not just be harassed by abusive men? <laughs> yes, I definitely think this is a huge area of concern for women and even for men too, and children as well. I think that this makes a lot of people more vulnerable, allowing the transgender agenda to infiltrate like this and just saying that it's okay 
I think after working with quite a few women who were in situations where they needed to go to a safe house and getting them to finally talk about what happened and how we could help them and get them like safe and get them even just being able to function again was a long process. And now I just feel that this is going to really put a strain on, like you said, the progress that we've made. And if you think of just even a lot of the Me Too movements where people are being bold and saying, you know, look, I was assaulted or I was abused or this happened. Now people are going to be like, I can't say anything because now I'm going to be considered discriminating against this person. So I think all this progress we made with people coming forward, being brave, being able to finally open up and work, start working on that healing process. Now we're saying, oh, never mind. We don't care about you. We're just going to let these people run wild with their agenda. <laughs> so yes, it's very harmful. Yeah, I I can't imagine what you as a woman would think and have to in having to deal with this type of thing in in public. And I I, th- I read that uh, statistically speaking, those who would identify as transgender make up about 0.6 to say one percent of the population. And so to accommodate that in a way that's supposed to allegedly prevent discrimination, we're going to put women in danger. And I've read that proponents of the Equality Act, when the allegation comes that women are going to be assaulted in restrooms by predators uh, masquerading as women, they say that there's no evidence that that happens. Uh, Okay, so I have a little bit of evidence here. Representative Vicki Hartzler from Montana uh, wrote a column in TheHill.com entitled, quote, The Equality Act Would Lead to the Death of Women's Rights, unquote. And in this article, she gives a lot of the unintended consequence of these types of policies, and she mentioned that nine women in a women's shelter called Naomi's House had to put up with verbal and physical harassment from a male who was admitted there who identified as female, and they had no privacy in uh, the bedroom there or in the shower from this particular biological male, um, hurling verbal abuse at them. And many of these women were there because of abuse from biological males. And they certainly didn't come there to the shelter for more of the same. And to add insult to injury, they can't even have their gender honored in a place of expected safety and care because now they have to accept this male as among them. (laughs) But here's the rub. Because of federal grant money, allegedly, uh, with strings attached, the shelter refused to deal with the concerns of the women. You know, they're getting money from the federal government, and the federal government says, if you want this money, you got to do what we want you to do. And so instead of helping these women out, in fact, the shelter then threatened to expel these poor homeless women rather than the intrusive male. So yeah, there's real problems here. And the Equality Act specifically used the word shelter as a place (laughs) that cannot discriminate 
based on gender identity. And so this wasn't obviously with the Equality Act not being passed yet. If this didn't happen as a result of that act, but it happened as a result of the same policies that the act would enshrine into federal law. And so that's a case of shelter specifically mentioned in the wording of the act itself um, happening with these kinds of policies. So how about restrooms, babe? Would you feel comfortable with men identifying as women going into public restrooms? You know, if you were at a restaurant or doctor's office or whatever, you know, would you want to welcome them and identify them as females? (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) And especially being a mom and having small children too, I am very concerned about their safety as well because there are very sick people out there that will definitely take this opportunity and run with it. So I don't know. I'm like, is there a way that we can (laughs) just avoid public restrooms? I'm not sure. Because I think that it is definitely a huge hesitation to use the restroom in public now. And I know a lot of other women have voiced this as well as you were pointing out in some articles. Yeah, and it's I think you know even the health ramifications of having to hold it when you're out in public, you know, just I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just it's not you know it's not really funny, but it's just you know it's going to cause problems. You know, people could get sick. You know, people can get diseases. Women, especially in these scenarios, because of needing to deal with something that they would put their life at risk just to do what they need to do out in public you know it's it's i think it's it's pretty ridiculous there and of course contrary to the idea that there's no evidence to justify that the equality act would do this with uh, say restrooms admitting transgender women into the girls restroom there are some real cases of the kind of behavior we'd expect when you let biological males identify as females to enter private women's facilities So there's an article at KTLA.com contributed by a Ryan Kennedy. This was way back in May 15th of 2013. It's entitled Cross-Dressing Man Secretly Taped Women at Macy's. So this man dressed like a woman and hid a video camera in a paper bag so that he could then pull it out and take pictures of women in the restroom. Now, of course, you know, if the complaints are, well, obviously he wasn't really a transgender woman. He was just a man pretending to be a woman. There's a difference, you know. Well, according to the language of the Equality Act, how would you be able to protect against this kind of situation, even given the idea of legitimacy of transgender women versus a perpetrator like this until after the fact? (laughs) because if he has the legal right to identify how he wants to and we don't discriminate based on mannerisms then he can get away with this and then only after the fact do we say okay that's not protected under the equality act let's uh punish him afterwards but still you know how do you prevent these types of things if establishments are forced to let people use different facilities based on gender identity Another instance, 
Man caught undressing in front of girls at Green Lake Locker Room. Uh, this is at the Seattle Parks and Recreation. This article is February 17th, 2016 in MyNorthwest.com. So a man went into the girls' locker room and removed his apparel in front of them. And after the girls and some of them who had parents there complained, uh, he gave the excuse that he has the legal right to identify as female. And then when the staff offered him to use a family facility so that everyone would be comfortable, he refused. Yeah, do you think he had an ulterior motive there? Steve Mays contributes uh, an article to OregonLive.com on January 10th, 2019, entitled Cross-Dressing Sex Predator Sentenced for Clackamas Aquatic Park Crimes. And so this guy was a registered repeat sex offender for decades with quite a history of dressing as a woman for the purpose of assaulting young children in private places. And in this case, it was a girl's locker room at North Clackamas Aquatic Park. And under the Equality Act's protection of gender identity and locker rooms specified in the language of the law, where is the protection for children and women from predators like these until it's too late? I mean, I can go on here. There's a, a, a article talking about the Fairfield High School in Fairfield, Iowa at thefamilyleader.com. This article talks about all the kinds of problems and complaints, students wearing different colored bracelets, whether they supported the policies or opposed the policy of the gender identity with using the private facilities like the restrooms and locker rooms. And then there's a lot of persecution going on, mostly from the ones who supported the policies of allowing gender identity to determine restroom policy against those who didn't want that policy or even those who refused to identify which side they stood on. And an anonymous officer recalled that a girl approached him and said, quote, one thing that scares me is with today's technology, somebody could take a picture of me and send it on the web and it would ruin me mentally for the rest of my life, unquote. Just imagine, you know, one incident that can be easily done because of a policy and now it's burned into your brain. It's a, you know, a complete embarrassment and mental uh, disturbment for the rest of your life because of this policy. Babe, I actually have a couple more statistics to add to your list there as well. Just kind of thinking about the different situations you mentioned with predators in situations where females are vulnerable. And a couple that were brought to my attention during some research include an article from the Toronto Sun entitled A Sex Predator's Sick Deception. This was February 14th of 2014. In this article, they're talking about a sexual predator who pretended to be a transgender male to female, posing as the name Jessica. This man went into a women's shelter and attacked four vulnerable females. 
And they later reported him and they were able to have him removed from the facility. But then he went on to another facility and assaulted more women. And these women were in these shelters specifically because they were coming from abusive situations. One was a homeless woman, one was even a deaf woman. So he was definitely taking advantage of these women and their disposition. Thankfully, he was eventually charged later on and sentenced to life in jail because the judge felt that he would just be a continued threat to the community and that jail would be keeping the community safe. So there are definitely instances in shelters where men are going in and infiltrating and preying on these vulnerable women. Another, even to me, a little bit scarier one is closer to home with a five-year-old girl who at her school, the principal decided in Decatur, Georgia to change their bathroom policies to allow boys to go into the girls' bathrooms and girls to go in the boys' bathrooms if they identified as a boy and as a girl and not their biological characteristics. And in this case, a boy went into the girl's bathroom and assaulted a five-year-old girl. The reports went to the officers and the officers said that they couldn't do anything about this because it was what the school had authorized for the boys to enter the girl's bathroom. So I can't imagine what those parents must have felt like finding out not only had their five-year-old girl been assaulted, but also that there was no consequence for that. And this was actually allowed and okay. So even being able to protect our young children is becoming more difficult with these new laws coming into place. And to me, it just, I'm not understanding how people are saying that this would not be an issue. The LGBTQ community is saying that this is a myth and a red herring and that we should not be even bringing up these arguments that people would be posing as transgender just to victimize people. But if you think of it, God made males to be attracted to women. That's how he designed us. And that's normal. But what's not normal is saying, okay, let's put these men in a place where they can overpower women. And I'm thinking with the kids in school too, even if they're just curious, like, oh, I want to see what the girl's bathroom is like. And then they see girls like, oh, I'm curious about this. And then they start becoming more predator-like because they're being exposed to that. They're being allowed to be exposed to this. And we're saying that that's okay. It's just crazy. I don't understand it. Like, if you think that all through, you would think that this is not a myth. This is not a red herring. This is actually what is going to happen as a consequence And um, just looking at some statistics from the Centers for Disease Control, the sexual assaults among women is more than one in three women have experienced sexual violence in their lifetime. And one in four men have experienced sexual violence in their lifetime. That's a lot. And now we're going to be seeing an increase in those numbers because we are giving more opportunity for that to happen. On the Centers for Disease Control website, it actually gives you a layout of how to support 
survivors and how to create protective environments for people to reduce these numbers. And in those areas, they say that crisis centers need to be able to provide a safe and healing environment for these people that were victimized to sexual predators. Okay, but now we're saying it's okay for men to pose as women and go in there and victimize these women. That is not providing a safe healing environment. And with their other point saying that we need to create protective environments. This one they were saying specifically in the school situation that students need to feel safe and that if there's any areas where the students feel unsafe, that they need to address that. And looking at some statistics and characteristics of the sex offenders, you see that they tend to go to private, secluded places. So they'll go to quiet, secluded places. And if you think about, okay, now they're allowed in bathrooms. Those are kind of quiet, secluded, out of the way. You don't see right into the stalls, especially in a girl's bathroom. And locker rooms and most um, sexual predators also tend to be in schools, in churches, in sports themes, in youth groups. All the places that we're saying in this Equality Act, we need to allow these transgender people to come in. So we're saying, okay, these high-risk places for sexual predators to be around, now let's open up the door and say, come on in, because we are trying to not discriminate. Sorry, that was my little (laughs) banter there. Yes, uh, thank you, sweethearts, definitely. Some good food for thought, you know, it's kind of like taking a political issue which, of course, we would definitely disagree with the whole concept here, but trying to solve some problem for a tiny percentage of the population, and maybe their, and perhaps their need is something other than this solution that exposes <laughs> all women and children to predators, as you mentioned in the cases there. So it reminds me of uh, Romans chapter 1, where it talks about professing themselves to be wise. They became fools because there's a lot of intelligent people, you know, psychologists and philosophers who support this Equality Act, and they can um, intelligently make their case, but they're fools because they ignore reality here, as the articles that I've mentioned show, you know, women's sports women's restrooms, women's locker rooms. The Equality Act would enshrine into law protection of abusive women, despite what proponents of the Equality Act would say. And the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of man. And Jesus himself, the incarnate Son of God, said in Matthew 19, verse 4, it says, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And so, 
If anyone would claim to be a Christian, they should recognize that the words of Jesus, the founder of Christianity, by definition, Christ, God incarnate, the Son, has something to say. And he was referring back to Genesis there, which still holds true today, that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female. And that's why Jesus says, for this cause, the reason that he made them male and female is why you have marriage and family. And we don't redefine that because that's the way God designed things. And babe, you have you have another passage to present about um, how we as Christians should approach um, this issue. Yes, I was reading through Ephesians 5 earlier, and these verses just stood out to me that uh, we as Christians need to make sure we live our lives with conviction, but also with compassion for others and just with the Equality Act and stuff, um, just not burying our head in the sand, but being bold and speaking up for truth and standing up for those who are going to potentially suffer from this act and also protecting ourselves and protecting our children. So the verses of Ephesians 5, verse 14 through 16, it says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So not just sitting back and saying, Oh, maybe it won't pass. But really being proactive and standing up for truth and standing up for our families. Amen there, babe. You know, people's lives are at stake. This Equality Act is no joke. It's not something to fall asleep to. You know, if you have a conviction, you understand the truth, you know, let the word go out far and wide because words on the paper of law will give people the excuse to run rampant and harm, especially women and children. And as parents, you know, as a husband and father, I am not in favor of letting my wife be more vulnerable because of foolish policies. And as both of us together as parents wouldn't appreciate the idea of our children, especially daughters, being vulnerable because of these foolish premises all to protect against alleged discrimination. And so that brings us to the end of this episode. And as we continue to uh, address this Equality Act, we're going to focus a little bit more on the implications of it toward issues of pregnancy and abortion. And now I would like to end this episode by giving a shout out to Anthony Russo and his Grace and Peace Radio. Ever wish you could get together with a friend over coffee each week and talk about God's Word? Me too. Hi, I'm Anthony Russo. I'm the host of Grace and Peace Radio. Grace and Peace Radio is a Christian living blog and podcast dedicated to engaging conversations about applying God's Word to everyday life. I hope you'll join me, Anthony Russo, on Grace and Peace Radio each week at graceandpeaceradio.com or right here on the Christian Podcast Community.org.
Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso. 